I don't know about you, but I needed that time. You too? Hey. I am so grateful for our team and uh, how they lead us. Uh, thank you, Nick, Jill, and the team. Hey, I mentioned last Sunday that uh, as a church, I think uh, we are at uh, 2017 is a critical junction point for us as a church. Uh, last Sunday, we turned nine years old, and I think as Jill mentioned, that means we're in third grade. And uh, I, I promise you, there is a lot of reality to that. Uh, that's, that's really true. Uh, and I think we can say that the Lord has shown himself far above all that we've thought or imagined. Um, I can say that for sure. And uh, uh, the last nine years have been an amazing journey together. Uh, from a personal leadership uh, standpoint, these last nine years have been beyond exciting and they have been beyond exhausting. Uh, I've never done anything so exciting and so hard in all my life, in all seriousness. Uh, in fact, with that, just a quick rabbit trail. Uh, nine years. I can't imagine being a senior pastor for 36 years. Um, I'd be like 105 or whatever. Um, but uh, so grateful that Pastor Lutz are coming. And I just want to take a moment and kind of tell you uh, how that came about, because I think it adds to what's going on. Um, uh, Karen and I were at a conference in Arizona here a couple weeks ago, and um, so all of a sudden we're there, and I see that I got an email from Lisa Dykstra. Lisa and Ben are just one of the very dear uh, families here in our church, and Lisa said, uh, hey, my dad, oh, by the way, Pastor Lutzer is uh, Lisa's dad, and um, said, hey, my dad's going to be in Chicago, or not Chicago, my dad's going to be in Indianapolis here with a conference over College Park for that weekend, and he actually said uh, he's free on Sunday, and if you'd like for him to come over and preach on Sunday, uh, he'd be willing to do that. <laughs> so I said, uh, let's pray about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just want for you to know that there's a special thing there. That how that came about. Really special. So it's not just some cool guy that the Lord has used, some rock star kind of thing. We're just not into that. But it's part of our extended family. And um, we're going to be blessed. And he's actually going to be talking about the Reformation and the impact of the Reformation. And trust me, you want to hear him talk about that rather than me. Trust me. It'll be far better. A special, special weekend. So grab some friends. Come be here. Let's pack the house with that, okay? So back to nine years old, as opposed to 36 years as a senior pastor. Uh, nine years old. Uh, here's, here's one of the things I mentioned last Sunday. Blessed people have a tendency to get lost in their blessing. Blessed people just have a tendency to get lost in their blessing. And as far as churches happen, leadership can get lost in the blessing and get lost in the endless to-do list, the what we need to improve list, the, the what we can do next list of ideas. Uh, it can even get lost in the potential limelight that can potentially come out of that. The church body can get lost in itself. It can get lost in what it wants, what it thinks it wants, what it need, thinks it needs, what it sees missing, what, and, you know, and just get lost in themselves. And I say all that because that was the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth got lost in itself. God had blessed this church. It was less than 10 years old, the church of Corinth. They had become a total train wreck of a local church before they hit 10 years old. 
As one commentator said, Corinth became, a children, became children with toys rather than adults with power tools. Say that again, I love that. Corinth became children with toys rather than adults with power tools. They lost themselves in themselves. As we said, life has a way of pulling us inward, but the gospel calls us outward. Pastor Doug, why have you been making such a big deal about this together topic, and is that just your thing? Um, Well, great questions. Frankly, I'd just rather kind of go inward. Um, As we talked about, go alone, you can get there faster. Um, Go together, it takes longer. And sometimes I'd just rather go it alone. But uh, God calls us to be a together people. And that's what he delights in, in that reality of it all. Um, uh, Together is a core deal to the Lord. Okay, I just want to get that and make sure we have that on the table. Together is a core deal to the Lord. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're already not there. Now, two key words I'm going to be starting with today is the two key words are unified plurality. Unified plurality. If I were to sum up 1 Corinthians 12, uh, it would start with these first two words. What's 1 Corinthians 12 about? The first two words I'd start with are? Uh, One more time. Right, unified. It means to make or become united or whole. It means to bring together, to pull together is a definition of unified. Plurality. Plurality is being numerous. It's a large number, quantity of them. Uh, Put those together. Unified plurality is to bring together, is to unite a numerous quantity, whatever that is. If that's M&M's, if that's candy bars, if, if that's people, uh, unified plurality. Um, I want to note that there's all kinds of unified plurality all around us. In fact, let me tell you of a few. First one would be the heavens, outer space. I mean, just consider outer space. Diverse uh, planets, a diverse design that we are still trying to even begin to put our arms around. God created a unified plurality in the heavens that just are un- seem unending. And let's pull it closer to earth. We take a look at earth and we think, what a diverse reality we live in. I mean, a diverse sky. It's great to have the sun, isn't it? It just makes me feel better. And uh, diverse sky. We have diverse terrain. We have diverse plants. It's not like one flower and one tree. It's like all kinds of flowers, sizes, colors, dimensions, and trees as well. A God is in that. Let's go a bit mechanical here. A car. I got a picture of Pastor Nick's new car. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, with this car, and consider a car, it, it, it's an entire unified plurality of devices. From the tires to the steering wheel to the engine to the flux capacitor. I mean, all of these things, you know, pull together and work together. And when something gets ununified, problem, right? Problem. Uh, Here's another one. Let's kind of go to humanity, in particular, Adam and Eve. Uh, I mean, consider when God created things. He created a unique plurality of people. Not two of the same, not one alone created two unique individuals. 
and, and put them together and to make a powerful team together in that unified plurality. Uh, but I think the greatest of all this that everything is coming out of is the fact that we have a triune God. Unified plurality. Why is the world created the way that it is? Why does God call his people to be what he calls them to be? Answer, it reflects the Godhead. Three divine, quote, persons, unique, yet together in all of eternity past, in eternity present, and into eternity future. That is the picture. Uniquely three, fully one. Unified plurality. And unified plurality, it's a mind-blowing thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's an exhilarating thing. It's a powerful thing. But the most important reality is, is that it is a creator thing. God is the one who is not only that, but created things like that. And it reflects that. And when the Godhead sees creation and his people, just imagine that. When the Godhead sees creation and his people living out who the Godhead is, that's called giving glory to God. And he delights in it. That's why together is such a big deal. Because it reflects our God. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, a call for God's people to be living as a unified plurality. That means diversity together. Yet yet here I'm going to note here before we dive in uh, just a, a thing or two. 1 Corinthians 12 is so often served as and so often eaten as or consumed as or received as an individualistic call. It's a unified plurality call, but so often it's taken individualistically in the core essence of it all. I mean, here's generally what I noted down 1 Corinthians so often ends up being. Hey, God has a superpower ability for you, and you must discover your superpower ability so that you can then properly serve where your superpower ability lies and will shine. Oh, and P.S., it is for everybody. And everyone leaves the conversation self-centered and in a quandary of, what's my superpower, God, spiritual gift? I'm just totally transparent in this one. Uh, True? If you've been under this, that's what comes. And yet the core of the text is about unified plurality. And we come out of it with an individualistic mindset about me. By the way, nowhere in 1 Corinthians 12, as you will see, does it say anywhere to go find your superpower gift. Nowhere. In fact, I may blow some minds here, but that's okay. I might be on the minority on this, but I'm just going to say it out. As you consider, I'm not going to make this the deal of our time, but I just got to be honest with you as I dive into a text. In fact, I question whether 1 Corinthians 12 is even talking about a spirit-given ability. I'm more inclined actually to understand 1 Corinthians 12 as talking about a spirit-given ministry empowerment versus an ability of empowerment. Birding says, Paul's reference to teaching, prophecy, administration, exhortation, tongues, etc. are spirit-given edificatory ministry activities, not abilities in the Christian community to build that community up in Christ. So for some of you, maybe a mindset blow. Just consider it as we go through the text. All right, just consider it. Listen, here's the deal. 
Whether you view what 1 Corinthians talks about, whether it's viewed as an edificatory ministry or whether it's viewed as a spiritual gift ability, it can be agreed this. The central point, the central truth of the chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 is that our triune God calls us to be living as a unified plurality. That's the core call of the text, okay? So with all that on the table, and your, by the way, you see in your sermon page notes where all the fill in blanks? Let's go there. <laughs> all right. 1 Corinthians 12. Let's get some context. Chapter 11. God help us, right? God help us understand his word. So, what's the context? Here's a young church in Corinth. Um, it's a train wreck of a church at this particular time we're reading. They're littered with bad doctrine, they're littered with bad practices, and they are littered with big pride. Uh, last Sunday, together with friction, we are in chapter 11, together without friction is not together. Verse 20 in chapter 11, it, it says that there must be factions, there must be schisms among you. Point Conflict-free relationship is not the definition of a together relationship. Okay, marriages? Okay, just people in general? Conflict-free relationship is not the definition of together relationship. So some of you are like, phew, well, we have conflict. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Here, here's the definition. The definition of healthy, maturing, growing relationship is conflict-resolving relationship. That's healthy, growing, maturing relationship. Oh, and by the way, it's the same thing for a church. A conflict-free local church is not the definition of a healthy, maturing local church. Instead, a conflict-resolving local church is the definition of a healthy, maturing, growing, God-glorifying local church. Paul in chapter 11 has been talking about these pragmatics. Let's grab the last couple verses, and it's time to dive in here, okay? Uh, Verse 33, chapter 11. Paul says, so then, my brothers, so then, my sisters, when you come together to eat, eat, that's pretty pragmatic, right? Wait for one another. (laughs) Is this not a third-grade conversation? Hey, when you go to the cafeteria, eat your food, not everyone else's, okay? And verse 34, if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. In other words, this is coming out of communion, and they had uh, not a biblically called for, communion is, but on top of that, they had this meal together, which is a cool idea. But he's like, listen, uh, uh, eat at home, come together, and share, So that when you come together will not be for judgment because they're just being selfish about all this. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Okay, I'm reading that because feel it. Okay, eat, uh, drink, a bunch of pragmatic things I've been talking with you about. and, And now I'll talk to you about some more pragmatic things when I come. Chapter 12. By the way, chapter breaks weren't in the original. They're helpful to get us around, but sometimes they cut things. All right, right in our thinking of how we move. So here we are, chapter 12, verse 1, first words. Now concerning the spiritual. Now concerning the spiritual brothers, 
Now concerning the spiritual sisters. Doug, you forgot a word in our English translation. You forgot to say the word gifts. I understand. Let me just make a comment here. The, and I don't say this to be like Greek brainiac. I say this to know just so that you understand a little bit. The word is pneumatikon. Numa, that spirit. I don't know if you've ever seen like the Numa videos from back in the days. Some of them are really, really good. And, and in that, in Numa Tacon, it's this idea of, and then chapter 14, verse 1, has Numa Taka in verse 1. And, and when Numa Tacon, Numa Taka, the form of that is left by itself without a supporting word, it's generally left as the spiritual or something related to that. In fact, in the ESV, it says it could be the spiritual person. You can kind of see that they even understand some of the wrestling movement with this and so it means pertaining to the spiritual like in 1 Corinthians 14 37 or in 1 Corinthians 15 46 it is left that way spiritual the spiritual it doesn't have I'm going to call it in, in this kind of term it doesn't have a supporting term it doesn't have a further describing term with it so it's left as kind of spiritual or the spiritual but when a supporting word or descriptive word is tied to pneumaticone or a form of that then it gets that further terminology of it. For example, 1 Corinthians 10.3 says spiritual food. Why food? Because the word food in Greek is right there. So we know what kind of spiritual. But the beginning of chapter 12 is talking about the spiritual. It doesn't have a tie. The bringing in of the word gifts. I completely understand why. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that it's a contextual decision. It's a contextual decision and I push back on it. And I push back on it because I think Paul has been going from pragmatic discussions and now he's just trying to say, hey, let's talk to spiritual. And when you have gifts right there, it automatically, in English understanding of the word, it gets us thinking something. And maybe it's not quite that. Let's just kind of go with what is the... The, the, the generic of it, so that's where I'm going. Paul's going from pragmatic issues to now concerning the spiritual whether it's spiritual gifts, whether it's spiritual persons, whether it's spir- referring to the per- anything pertaining to the spiritual. It's kind of like, hey, we've been talking about basketball, and, and now let's move to a different level. Uh, let, let's now talk about some spiritual. And I think he's moving, because when you start looking on 1 Corinthians 15, where we'll be there for Easter, is talking about doctrinal theology issues. And I think the swing is in here. So I'm going to leave it at that, not go any further and bore you with all that. Hopefully that doesn't bore you, but it intrigues you to read closer. I think Paula here is saying, okay, we've been talking about the realm of functional, pragmatic issues and items. We've been talking about that. Now, uh, it's time for us to transition into a little bit of uh, some theological discussions here. Both are important, both are spiritual, but there's a different way in hearing it and processing it. And so I think he's saying, hey, I want to talk about some spiritual things with you all. Okay, here we go. Have I lost you? I hope not. Okay. Okay. Hope I'm giving food for some of you to want to study more. Hopefully I'm giving food for some of you to think broader. I want to push you as we read God's word. Now, concerning the spiritual brothers, sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's cool. God's people are supposed to be informed people. Spiritually informed people. Hey, if you don't feel like you're spiritually informed, that's okay. But know this, God wants you to be spiritually informed. Okay? If you feel uninformed, it's time to amp it up and it's time to get more spiritually informed because God wants that. 
and his people. I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans uh, without Christ, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Uh, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Let me cut this short. Here's what I think he's saying. Only by the work of God can anyone call Jesus their Savior. Only by the work of God can anyone come to the place of receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior. Listen, if you've not come to the point where you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, by the way, I'm not talking about do you just know about. It's kind of like move past dating, walk the aisle. All right? That's what coming to Christ is about. Making a covenant commitment in this. No, I'm now following Christ. That's what it is. If If you haven't done that, you don't know what that is about, come and ask. It's time to get informed. Okay, and to know that you are in Christ. And he's saying, listen, only the Lord through the Holy Spirit can bring that about. Verse four through six. Now, now there are a variety of charisma, uh, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. This is really cool. Notice in here, three times the word varieties is used. Varieties of, varieties of, and varieties of. By the way, I will say, when you hear, if you've heard taught on 1 Corinthians 12, when do you hear about the varieties of all these things? Usually it only comes to the first one, which I said charisma, because even that I push back a little bit on how that is understood. Uh, Charisma, or gift in our translations, uh, it does not inherently mean spirit-given ability in and of itself. It generally means a concrete way that God expresses grace. Concrete way that God expresses way. Hey, there are varieties of concrete ways that God expresses grace, but the same spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all. God loves variety. Look in this room. We don't all look the same. Awesome. It'd be one boring place, by the way, if it was. But we're all, there's a diversity, and in fact, bring more diversity. And I'm not just talking colors of skin, I'm talking about people, as well as colors of skin. Bring it on, more. Because God loves diversity when it's unified. There's a variety of concrete ways that God expresses his grace, but the same spirit. There are a variety of services, uh, diakonos, but the same Lord, diakonia. The varieties of activities, but the same God. What's the central point? Varieties, but united. Varieties, but the same God. It's unified plurality. And the source behind this unified plurality is divinely empowered. Unified plurality, divinely empowered, because friends, I tell you, there is no way a variety of broken people can function together in unity, doing a variety of things together, if God is not there. I can say this, but people are doing it all over the place. Yeah, but if they are not doing it in a God for his glory kind of way, 
there are lots of groups, organizations that are doing wonderful, wonderful things around the world and unified in it. But that does not mean that at the core of it, God is the one who is empowering it and God is the one who's receiving the glory of it. This is something different. This is something big. God is to be at work. Verse seven, key verse for the whole chapter. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good manifestation. It's like uh, the variety of concrete ways that the Spirit expresses himself in, in his grace, the variety of ways that the Holy Spirit, uh, that, that people serve, the variety of activities that the Holy Spirit empowers to be done. He manifests that in God's people for a common good. God is divinely empowering it for a common good to put the Spirit of God, to put God himself on display. Hey, what is not to be on display here is us. And I'm going to say it right now because this is a perfect chapter to say it in. Listen, friends, this is not a church that is to be about my glory. And too many churches and too many leaders are getting caught in that. No to that. As we'll see here in a little bit, unique giftings in a unique body and varieties of ministry empowerment for God to do a work together. Just want it to be known. I am not the man. And if it gets to that point, please fire me. Because that is not unified plurality. Divinely empowered. Out on that. Paul, can you illustrate this? Paul, yes, I can. Verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the, the one Spirit, to another the, the, the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another uh, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, whether you have a view that this is individual empowerment or ministry empowerment, I'm, I'm try and read through it on your own, both layers. Um, I understand both sides of that equation. I'm just going to bring it to the core all are empowered by one. Not by my strength, not by your strength. Let me say this. Uh, working in kids' ministries, that is like one of the greatest areas of understanding discipleship. And you will understand not by your strength. God works in children by his strength. And yet we're to be prepared and ready. But I'll tell you, it makes you humble. Did it for five years. It humbles you in realizing, oh God, show yourself. Hey, small group leaders, I want for you to know this. Speaking to myself as well. You're not the one. 
that is the power of the group. It's not your awesomeness. And in fact, I think every small group leader here would say, there's one thing I've learned about being a small group leader. It's hard and it's humbling. Awesome. Face down. That's where we should be. That's where we should be. God does a work. Unified plurality, divinely empowered. He apportions each as he wills. And variety is a wonderful thing when it's united. Can you illustrate a little bit more, Paul? I can. In fact, through the rest of the chapter. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body... Uh, Though many are one body, see the illustration he's using, body, by the way, Scripture uses all kinds of illustrations of the church, of God's people. He uses an army as an illustration. He uses, in Scripture, a temple as an illustration. He uses a bride as an illustration. He uses a family as an illustration. Here he's using a body as an illustration. Uh, Our one body, so it is with Christ, verse 13. For in one spirit... We were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. Diversity come together. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Diversity under one, empowered by one. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, everybody say, ooh. Yeah, not in a good way. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, that's got to be one. I'm sorry, but that person is ugly. (laughs) Can you imagine a person walking around with all ears? Ugly. That's the point. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Key verse. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, illustratively here, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet what? Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. This is illustrative. God created humanity. And he's referring to how he created, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all what together? 
I'd love to spend some time there. I will just for a second. One of the things, personally, that God's people need to get better at is rejoicing when God is working through other people. We have a tendency to want it to be my thing, our thing. That's the point of the text. But sometimes God is going to work somewhere else. And we get jealous. We get angry. Why not me? Why not us? Rejoice when God is at work, right? Holistically and individually. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So the whole illustration is being brought back to this local church. Now you, local church in Corinth, are the body of Christ. Now I'm taking it to a new picture, a new illustration, pulling it out to apply it to the church in Corinth. You are the body of Christ, and you are individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then helping, then administration, and various kinds of tongues. All, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all uh, do the work of miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer to that is no. But earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you still a more excellent way. I'm asking as I read through chapter 12 and been spending my time in it this week, asking what's the central point? What's the core truth? What's the movement of the text? And I think the movement of the text is in this is that he states that the local church is to be a unified plurality, varieties for a common good that's divinely empowered, not self-empowered, but spirit-given, spirit-manifested to display uh, the spirit, to display the Godhead. And then it's illustrated. uh, To one is given, to to another is given. And and, and it's like a a body, all this. And, And then 27, you are the body. You, you are the, the figurative image coming out of this. Uh, don't go too theological in the terminology of that. Just go off of the illustration given. You are the body of Christ in this, off of the illustration, and we are individual members of it. By the way, I will note nowhere here does the text say, go find your divine spiritual power. Nowhere does the text say you need to go find your divine spiritual gift and then serve where that gift is most able to be highlighted. Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere does it say that. Doug, are you out on spiritual tests, gift tests? I kind of am. I kind of am, I'm just gonna say it. Because we take it so individualistically. And we make this all about us individually. And that's not the point of the text. The point of the text is the complete opposite of that. In fact, he starts out, I want you to know something. So here's the point. You need to know something. God has gifted. God has gifted. And know this. That gifting has varieties, and it's all to come together. For his good, for his glory, because it resembles a triune God themselves. That's the core point of it. Listen, you can have different perspectives on what I've just talked about. That's okay. I'm just telling you where I'm coming at right now. And in all this, the core foundation of the text is the movement of that. Unified plurality. Divinely empowered. Oh, here's kind of the thing. 
it's 35 minutes and I could stop but I'm not <laughs> and here's why it's time to illustrate alright babe Karen that's my wife <laughs> could, uh, could you help me here and uh, I need your help I need four people from over here and I see the Milhar six hands. Come on up. And we need two more. Two more. Come on up. Karen will get you set here, all right? Two more over here. Go for it. Don't rush. Just go. Two more. Way to go, girl. Two more. I need uh, four people from here and I see Chris Tincher's hand. Definitely on that. And we're so glad to have you, Chris. And uh, by the way, we love Chick-fil-A, man. Come on up. Okay, and uh, we need, I was a, uh, I'm helping you, bro. I'm helping you, man. And we need three more from here. In fact, a teen would be awesome. Come on up. Go on up here. Karen will get you all set. How many more over here? Two. Oh, we got one. One more. Go. Come on. Hey, I want some age up here. Go, girl. All right? So we need uh, four from over here, and Matt and Maddie Minnis would be perfect for this. And uh, uh, two more. Just come on up. Come on up. Get set in place. Two more. Way to go, you guys. Love you, man. Way to go. All right. The body. All lined up. Karen's kind of getting them set up. And I want to start down here. And uh, I want you really loud. Everybody, we're going to... What's your statement on the back? Read like, like, I'm an I. Okay, just whatever, whatever your thing is. All right, say it. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Oh, that, can we all agree to that? Amen. Preach the gospel. Proclaim truth. Oh. Amen. Theology, theology. Think biblically. Oh, preach it, sister. <laughs> you get the nose, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Sniff out false doctrine. I smell error. <laughs> hey, and we're called to do that. We are called to do that. Uh, what's another one? We need a sports and exercise ministry. <laughs> you go, girl. Right. And, and hey, and that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Just to have some activity getting around. And yeah. All right, Chris. The foot. Go to all the world. Go to all the nations. Oh. Oh, is that not the case? Like, let's like to have some compassion for the hurting. Okay? Amen. The eye. See the people, see the need. Oh, see people. Come on, let's see other people, not just ourselves. Hear, listen, and encourage people. Hmm. <laughs> and it's so awesome you got that, because, man, that is you. <laughs> it really is. I mean that sincerely. Maddie. Hear, quiet, pray, let's listen to God. Hmm. Oh, let's reach out. We could like do a song with that. Let's move faster, faster, faster. Go, go, go. Mm-hmm. More, come on. More for the Lord. The gospel calls us outward, right? Okay. Now, so uh, let's take this. Even if this is spiritual gifting, whether this is ministry, whether this is individualistically and all this. Okay, so we see all these things and we're every one of these. We go, praise the Lord for these. Am I correct? Praise the Lord for these. Now, here's how it ends up taken and functioning. So what ends up happening is, all right, everybody, what you're going to do is you're going to declare your thing loud and you're just going to like all over. 
Go. Come, move around. Okay, awesome. Okay, now. Oh, okay. I would submit that what you just saw is the typical local church. I would submit that was the church in Corinth. Love each other. And again, whether it's individual spirit-given ability or whether it's ministry viewpoint edificatory aspect on that applies either way. And what ends up happening, friends, is we take a call to be a unified plurality, divinely empowered, and we end up making it our thing. I'll give an example. Compassion. Compassion. Have compassion on people. And when a person is really wired for compassion and then someone else maybe makes a move that is viewed as not so compassionate it's you are not compassionate and then it moves into judgment and you don't love Jesus and it moves into other the one who's on the theology so it's about theology it's about theology it's about theology by the way we're going to be getting to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 here in the coming series where 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 says, Paul himself, I loved you so much that I did not only share the gospel of God with you, but I shared my life with you. So theologian-wired people, sometimes it's like, hey, stop it. Theology is important, but it's also about loving people. And so the compassion person and the theology person can get in a big tiff true? Hey, wait a second. Last Sunday, relationship friction happens. And it's not the fact that that happened that's the problem. It's actually the question is what's supposed to happen? Pastor Eric, could you come here? And uh, Elder Larry, would you come here? Why don't you guys go on up and kind of going behind and let's kind of say hey maybe one of the things that's part of the involved and God has provided a, bless, a blessing of a variety of peoples with a, let's, let's, I'll even go there a variety of gifts or a, a variety of ministry uh, uh, empowerment and, and, and part of all that includes even God has structured things to help us to have even individuals to pull it all together to help us have that so like we got a pastor and we have an elder here kind of they don't know where I'm doing this but kind of like help us come out actually come out around here and help us organize this. Okay, so go ahead and say your thing and, and bring them together and make this look kind of like a body. Get the pictures. Okay, like like a head would be a really good thing kind of in the middle, am I right? And maybe like an eye on each side of the head, but, but no, you're going to have to be behind and, and the head up. Okay, head hold up, and then, now you're getting, now get the eye back there, Pastor Eric, a little bit, yeah, because see, that's part of my role in all this is helping some of the big picture too and am I right yeah Chris you're a problem here um, <laughs> look at that we got kind of someone's got a busted foot there they're pointing the same way all right and then maybe come on yeah yeah 
But like the mouth that should be above a heart, I would think. <laughs> At least, am I, am I right? Is it? Now, now here's part. Hey. I'm looking at time here, just make a couple comments in here. And, and so part of what can happen is, is so we've got, so what do you, what's your? Let's move faster, 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 go, go, go. And Maddie's? Quiet, pray, let's <laughs> How perfect is that? And, and sometimes that ends up meaning it's, hey, Maddie, we, we need to keep moving on this. And, and, and sometimes it's right, and it's like, we, we need to stop. We need to hear the Lord in this. And those are not opposing opponents, those are teammates. And we could go on and on and on, true? And um, when this is together, someone get a picture of this, by the way, that would be really cool. And when this is coming together, and we have this understanding, let me tell you, only God can make this happen. Only God. And if it's us, let's all go home. But only the Lord. And you can carry this truth not only here as a church, but to home and to small group serving with our kids and everywhere. Hey. Unified plurality, divinely empowered, is an awesome, awesome thing. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for who you are, a divine, triune, perfect, unified, purposed, together God. Spirit of God, I pray you do work among us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being the one who is intercessory for us, the one who provides for redemption God the Father, thank you for your role, for who you are. And we lay ourselves before you. Father, I would ask out of the text today, even from myself, I, I realize I've brought up a couple things that could cause maybe even a little bit of theological friction and the truth of the matter is I did it on purpose not because it is a reality of where I'm at in understanding the text but literally to be able to ask us how do we then handle things even if we have some different thoughts on theological things God, I would pray we would be oppressed people. I pray that we would push into each other and I pray that we would be a loving people, that we would love on each other. Oh God, you have been so amazing to us here 
And we sit back in awe, humbled, so often overwhelmed, so often feeling inept, incapable, frustrated, encouraged, suffering, being blessed. And God, in variety, there is all kinds of you in it. I thank you for the varieties of people, the varieties of stories, all brought together by a common, unified reality that you, God, are what it's all about. And even in our varieties and uniquenesses and our eachnesses, we can come together as a whole because of you. For your glory. Do a work among us, Lord. Do a work not about the fame of our name, but only the fame of your name. And may how we function and think and live that out in and of itself declare that loudly. So help us, Lord. May we not become a train wreck like the church in Corinth. May we heed the words of Scripture and may we be it, work at it, press into it, press into you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you that we can even talk about this. You are God. God.